Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 415. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey Kevin. Hello. How's it going? It's going all right. Nice. How are you? Doing, doing pretty well. I can't complain. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. This week on the show, we have two exciting reviews for you with Fear Street Part 3, which is 1666. And we also have Pig, the new Nicolas Cage film. Uh, we'll also be going over some more watching on the watch list and then going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be extremely helpful. One bit of housekeeping real quick. We're going to be recording this month, Saved by the 90s, uh, as you're listening to this. So that should be in the can very soon. We are doing sci-fi thrillers, techno thrillers, if you will. Oh, yeah. There's a ton of those that we can pull from, so... I imagine that this is going to be just part one of an ongoing series because there's a lot of these movies that I want to cover. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's going to be a multi-part series. With that being said, uh, let's go ahead and jump into our reviews. I think that we'll we'll kick it off with Fear Street since that's where we left last week's episode. We talked about yeah. parts one and two. Yeah. Part three is out. The final entry in this in the trilogy this one takes place in 1666, and it uh, explores the origins of Sarah Fear's curse, and the truths are finally revealed in this one. All the secrets, mm-hmm. all the secrets come out. Oh, digging it all Se- up. Uh, just so many secrets and everything. So we had talked a little bit about our, our sort of hopes for this one last week, where we knew that the the cast from the first two was coming back and they were portraying different characters in this one. We knew that it was going to be sort of a folk horror theme. And one of the things that I said was, I wonder if they're going to go like really dark and serious with it because typically folk horror is just extremely yeah. dour and, and like just grinds your emotions into the ground. And they pretty much did that with this uh at least for the 1666 part which i don't i don't think it's a spoiler but they go back to the 94 section mm-hmm. uh yeah. for a nice chunk at the end of this one which i was extremely thankful for if they only like touched on the 94 part to like sort of cap things off or you know do it as like an epilogue or something i probably would have been a little bummed out because indeed this one is like just i don't know it's 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 folk art it's definitely plays within the folk art uh those tropes and i'm like just for me personally i'm a little folk art out like i'm just done with that genre for right now like i'm i i kind of want you know fun campy horror again Mm mm-hmm and so so i was very like i thought that 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 what they did in this one was good don't get me wrong i liked where they went with it but i was super super thankful that they did go back to the 90s for the end yeah which i did not know i had no idea that that was going to happen and i like you it was very welcomed i was very excited uh mostly because one you know, we talked about it in the last show is 
you know, I like the I like the 94 cast. I like them. I want to be with those characters. Uh, and two, outside of what they did uh, in terms of giving you all the information of the lore and how it was started and how it progressed and everything, like the actual proceedings of the 1666, I thought was just very, just very basic and just kind of just felt really uninspired in a lot of ways. And I was just like, wow, this is this is really flat. Yeah, to I, me. I agree. And I think that the fact that they added that like 94 part two onto this, I think that that <laughs> that helps it so much because yeah. up until that point, you're just like, all right, I mean, I, I, I see what's happening here. I, pre- by the way, I predicted like that whole thing like the curse and all of that stuff I, I predicted it at the beginning of this one like I, I just had a feeling I was like oh she's she's gonna like the two of them are gonna be in a relationship and that's what's gonna cause like the whole witch thing and all of that yeah but I really like the I mean it's for me the witches are just it's just a fascinating topic mm-hmm. you know if you really like reading about the history of it and everything but i like how they took it further not only just the historical aspect of it of you know a dude gets possessed and they can't simply write off like oh he you know he probably invited the devil in mm-hmm. you know calls up no it's got to be it's got to be these young girls it's got to be them got to kill these witches and then they just take that and then you know to have it build off of that to create this entire, you know, curse and this myth and, you know, your entire town is ruined because of this witch. When in actuality, maybe it's not that. Yeah. So I did, I did like that aspect of 1666, but you know, what actually happens in 1666 is just not that engaging. No, I agree. And but there, there were there were a couple shocking moments. The scene with the pastor, I thought, was pretty, yeah, pretty that, crazy. And then like there, there, you know, there were there were a couple, there were a number of folk horror tropes in here, like the stuff that was happening with the pigs, and like, I mean, it was pretty. If you're familiar with folk horror, it was definitely playing within that realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotta say, I really liked where they went with it with you know, the big reveal and the twist and then uh, just the whole culminating moments when they went back to 94 and that whole big thing, they go back to the mall, which I loved. I really, mm-hmm. I, I just, I was really pleased with how they wrapped things up in this. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think you know how excited and happy I was <laughs> when the fear street 1994 part two came up. That was awesome. By the way, a uh, huge props to, to whatever, team or whoever decided to do an additional title card and throw that part two up there because that was really exciting phenomenal and the and is- the music selections in the in the part two were pretty great too so yeah it, i mean it it the night the second part of 1994 was pretty much what i wanted in the sense that a majority of it takes place back at the mall which yes thank you all my killers are there and you get like a Royal, you know, the battle Royale with them. Oh, I loved it. I loved I just, what they did to, 
with that. I'm not going to give anything away, but how that all played out, ugh. And the, the and the, the fact they brought in super soakers into the mix, come on. Yeah, yeah. Be Dalton. Yeah. It, it had everything that you wanted, that yep. you could ask for, you know? Uh, it's really, you know, you get to see the origins of the, well, this is in the, the different one, but the, the only thing that really got me in 1666, I think, was the the origin of the, the hand. Mm-hmm. That that fucking disgusting. That was brutal, yeah. Just the sound of it. Because you knew it was going to happen at some point, but then mm-hmm. when it does, so I think I think that that's why they did it that way because they knew that the viewer knows that that's going to happen, so they had to like amp it up, you know, to to make it shocking because we expect it to happen, so they had to like ratchet it up to a higher level. Yeah. To, to shock us and and it worked i mean i was like oh oh <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of that cool yeah thing. and they, they yeah they put they put all their eggs in the sound basket because <laughs> yeah. it sounded disgusting yeah yeah overall i was really pleased with the series i was a little i don't know i i think i kept my expectations low and i had a really great time with it so i i thought that they wrapped things up really nicely i kind of hope that that they work on another one that they, they, they could easily create another one. I hope Lee Janiac comes back for it or maybe get, I don't know, maybe get some other cool director to do another trilogy or something, yeah. but just kind of keep it, keep it the same. Cause I think it really worked. It worked for me too. Overall. I think uh, th- there were some things that were a little bit disappointing for me, mm-hmm. but like you, I kind of, I kept my expectations a little low or in the sense that, my not necessarily that they were low but they were um like tempered yeah they were ten- like i didn't have huge aspirations for this thing like i just it looked like it could be a fun time in that kind of throwback way and that's what i was hoping for and i think for the most part majority of it it delivered on that yeah completely agree i, I had some gripes here and there but overall i thought that that uh yeah it was, it was pretty successful so uh, again fear street is all three parts are on netflix so you can watch them right now uh, transitioning from that to a movie that is not so fun no, is, not fun at all is pig now this is uh, directed by michael cernoski and i have a synopsis here a truffle hunter who lives alone in the oregonian wilderness must return to his past in Portland in search of his beloved foraging pig after she is kidnapped. Uh, now, a lot of people are talking about Nicolas Cage's role in this, saying that uh, this is potentially another Oscar for him. I would agree with that. I think that the thing about Nicolas Cage is he's always good. Like, he's never mm-hmm. not good. It's just that the roles that he has are sometimes not good or the movie or the script or whatever. He, yeah, but even, he, but even then, I mean, he always gives 110%. Like, yeah, I mean, he's just, he cranks it out. And plus he's in like 35 movies a year. So, I mean, the dude is just a machine and he is a tremendous actor. And I think that if he, I think he does deserve another Oscar. And I think that this, this could be, it for him i hope i hope it is because i think he does such an incredible job in this like this is a really nuanced role for him it's it's really funny because 
it's nuanced, but he also gets to act a little crazy sometimes with it. So yes. I think it's almost a perfect role for him. Which I think that works better in this situation where you let, he let Cage out of the cage just once or twice. Mm-hmm. Not the whole movie, just once or twice. And really, you know, for me, they, were, they really caught me off guard because I wasn't expecting that, that aspect of Cage to be in this movie. You know what I mean? Like in the, in the opening, you know, the, the beginning of this movie, you're like, okay, so this is like a subdued mm-hmm. yeah. Cage role. Okay, this, I, now I know what I'm expecting here. But then I still got the little bit unhinged Cage, which just made it even, even, even sweeter when that showed up. I, uh, I got to say, I really loved this movie. This, uh, like, for me, this was probably one of the best movies I've seen this year. Uh, there were so many aspects of it that I was just so enamored with. I thought it was, in a, in a lot of ways, a devastating movie. Like, this is a movie that really affected me emotionally, uh, which I wasn't expecting at all. In fact, I, I didn't know. I knew the basic premise, like the so like the synopsis. I knew that's pretty much all I knew going into it. I did not see a trailer. I didn't really know anything about it, and I was kind of expecting it to be more like a uh, like a uh, a John Wick type, like a revenge movie, where he's like you know just barreling through people trying to find his truffle pig. I felt that it would be more serious but that's kind of what i was expecting and it's not that it is definitely not that and i'm so happy that it's not that because from the outset you know when you introduce this guy and his pig and if if you know and it sounds like you were too as i was is you were kind of thinking this was going to be like a john wick-esque type movie so after that introduction you're just like you're thinking, man, if they go that route, this is going to be dumb as hell. And they don't, and thank God. Because the route that they go is, is to me, far far better uh, where it ends up. Some of the stuff along the way with the, the John Wick type, you know, with this, like, underground. <laughs> underground, like, food, food dealing? Yeah. <laughs> um, which I do want to point that out, because I did like this movie. But you have to admit... This movie is silly as fuck. It is just, in some ways, it is dumb as hell. I, Mostly all that stuff is just really fucking weird. It, it is. It, it is. It's bizarre. It's a very bizarre movie. But I, 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 I took that as like an intentional thing. Like it's, it's. I think that it's self-aware. I think that it knows it's a little weird. Yeah. Especially with the like underground food dealing. It's like cabal or whatever is happening in portland with this uh the food stuff and and i think that yeah i, th- I think that it just knows that it's a little off kilter yeah and i think there is a, a part of them that's kind of like this i'm hoping it's like a tongue-in-cheek kind of ribbing of that area and you know how into things they can be yeah i mean certainly like I think that that a good example of this is the the scene in the restaurant when they go to that like really high end restaurant and they're presented with that like ridiculous meal. Yeah. And that whole sequence, I, that was my favorite sequence in the whole movie where he just 
this the chef sits down and just for some context like this guy on their on their journey to find this pig they find out that this this chef at this really high-end exclusive fancy restaurant he may know who took the pig and so they get a reservation nicholas cage is is talking to the guy and what he does what he says to this guy and like how he just like systematically breaks this man down into like his like it's like he's deconstructing him like all of this fucking deconstructed meals it's like he deconstructs people's personalities and just breaks them down into their their like simple ingredients and he does that several times throughout the movie and i freaking loved it but my favorite was with this guy how he just like reduced this man to like a sniveling little baby yeah but i I, the the aspect of this that i really really like and I find really interesting is that he does that, but with the information that he's using, he's kind of just really showing this guy like, you know, the, this is who you wanted to be. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like he, he's using positive information right? Yeah, in a way to destroy, kind of wreck the guy from the inside. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that is that there's this like, there's this little bit of like, it's, it's almost like a wholesome quality where, mm-hmm. and there's another scene that happens later, much later in the movie when he makes this meal for someone who, and it like evokes all of these crazy memories and emotions and things. And it's like, uh, it's, it's not a negative thing. Like he's, he's, he sees that this person is flaw, like they're being blocked and he's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to help them like become more in tune with themselves and like their, their aspirations and the, and maybe be a little bit more self-aware about like why, why they're doing what they're doing and stuff like that. And, and it's, I think it's a really interesting element to this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause he, he does revenge in like, I don't know if I would say like the nicest way possible, but like a ton of effort into doing something like very special Mm -hmm. for that person. And that's the revenge, which is just, thank God. That's so much better than Nick Cage, just pummeling the man's face. Screaming, where's, where's my pig? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we've seen that (laughs) before. Like we've seen cage unhinged cage going on you know, a violent rampage of revenge and that's fine. You know, I think there's a, there's a place for that too, but this was refreshing because it was just different. Like when, when do you see someone like essentially getting revenge on someone through positivity, you know, like like causing them to like, remember who they once were. And like the fact that like making them realize that they lost sight of, who they are and, and all of this, all of this stuff. And I just, I found the whole thing to be very refreshing and, and I was as quite, quite enamored with this movie. Yeah. I was surprised. I, I, I enjoyed that. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as you did, but there were certainly those aspects of it that we discussed. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed those and I found them very, very interesting. Just some of the, the silliness the bike. I, I thought when he stole the yeah. bike. Oh my god! 
I did enjoy that. Especially later. It's just like, I have a bike. I could have used more of that, honestly, because while I do think that the film is sort of aware of, of how it's a little bit odd, I think that maybe it could have leaned into that a little bit more, maybe given us a little bit more insight into like this ridiculous, I don't even want to call it a black market food thing, just like the, the whole rival dealers and all of that stuff. Like maybe maybe lean into the silliness a little bit more. I think that that might have been difficult to sort of balance that because it is a very emotionally charged movie and it deals with a lot of really heavy subject matter. I mean, essentially the whole thing is about like loss and grief and and dealing with these subjects and uh, so it, it's. It's not a happy movie overall, but there's just like these little glimmers in it. And I think maybe yeah. I could have used a little bit more of that. But yeah, it was definitely a surprise. I will say. Yeah, I, I really, I really enjoyed I it. Was, I was not expecting this movie to A, be that good, honestly. And secondly, I wasn't expecting it to pack that emotional punch. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what? You read that. Like, you know, I've heard about this movie from like two years ago or something like that, where it's like, oh, yeah, Nicholas Cage is going to try and find his, his truffle pig. Can't wait for that one. I am not expecting that to have like any poignancy <laughs> right. to it whatsoever. I like the That's look, too. Me. I think it's a, I think it was well shot. I like the kind of everything, everything about this movie feels very rustic. It has a very rustic vibe. I, I could use, I could use two things. One is subtitles, for the love of <laughs> fuck God. Uh, I hate that new thing with movies. Like, everyone just mumbles, talks very quietly. There's no subtitles. This movie also does suffer from the, the whole, you know, someone says something. And yeah, I, I... No one says anything for, like, six there, seconds. There was a... Yeah, there's this one scene where he goes to see this... I guess it's his old restaurant, and there's a baker there and I guess she used to work for him or something. And they have this conversation and that whole conversation I was thinking, I was like, Oh boy, Kevin's not going to like this interaction because <laughs> it, it is, it is frustrating. Yeah. I, I just, it irritates me because people are not like this. I, I mean, maybe they are in, but I've never come in contact with people. No, that I don't think act people like, like that. It, and it's really annoying. But second, I was more irritated with that because I have no idea what was said in that entire scene. I have no idea. I have nothing. I have nothing. I don't know who that person is. I like I'm I'm gleaning from like context that I imagine that she like used to bake at his restaurant. Maybe I have no idea. Like I don't just that whole entire section of the movie. I have no idea what happens because I can't hear anything. And people refuse to put subtitles. <laughs> uh, that's funny. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and give Pig a score. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Straight up. Straight up. I'm going to give it uh, like 6.5. Maybe, maybe a 7. I don't know. I feel like it's an incomplete rating because large chunks of this, I have no idea what anyone said. I didn't really have a hard time with it uh, as far as hearing it. But 
I well, I, yeah, because you don't have my ears. <laughs> like, my ears are not good. They're not good. My ears don't work good. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. And that's what I mean. Like, it sucks. Because I seriously had, I had this movie jacked up all volumes as high as it could go. There's nothing else I can do. And I still couldn't hear it. Mm, that's rough. I couldn't make it out. I mean, that happens out. sometimes for me with with certain things, but. All right. Uh, so Pig is in limited release right now. I'm not sure like what the VOD schedule is for that, but hopefully it'll be on VOD platform soon. And you can check it out. Let's talk about uh, some more watching. I saw the Tomorrow War on Amazon Prime. This is the uh, sci-fi action movie with Chris Pratt. It's mm. garbage. Um, I don't know why. Like I saw some people on Twitter talking about this and saying that they were having a lot of fun with it. So I was. You know, from the trailer, I was like, oh, this looks really bad. But I saw some positive positive uh, chatter on on Twitter. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll give this a look. Didn't really have anything else to watch. So I watched it and uh, it was, it's bad. It is, not, it is not a good movie at all. Mm. I did not enjoy myself. Uh, I will say, A, the creature design is very good. That is... A good thing. There are some fun action set pieces in it, to be sure. But the overall like script, the story, the dialogue, it's it's just all very very mediocre. I like that uh Sam Richardson is in this and is he's in kind of like an action role, but he's still really yes. funny. So Yes. I was all in it for Sam Richardson and uh, Be- Betty Gilpin. I like her a lot, and I wish she was in this more, but unfortunately, she's not. Mm, unfortunate. That's what you get with Chris Pratt. I can't believe Chris Pratt is like a leading <laughs> man. It's like, I, yeah, ah, man, you just you talk about this uncharismatic, like no personality whatsoever. Oh my goodness. Like calling him a Manila folder is a compliment. Oh, I don't have a uh, yeah. I don't. I don't really have a problem with him. I. I don't. I guess. I, I guess. Like I. I guess I would prefer him in like more like a Guardians of the Galaxy, like a comedic type. Yeah, movie. that's that's what that's. I I should clarify that it's more that. Yeah. Because I I enjoyed him on Parks and Rec. Like I think that he plays that character really well. Mm-hmm. But. As like a straight laced, you know, serious, like leading man. No goodness. No. Absolutely not. Uh, The only other thing I saw was Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) This was recently put on Hulu. You can watch it for free on Hulu. So, of course, I jumped at that opportunity. I need some stupid comedy in my life. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it delivered on that. It is dumb as hell. And I'm so thankful for how dumb it is. And it just continues being dumb for the entire runtime. And I just appreciated it so much. And like, there's some musical numbers in this, and I fucking loved them. That song about the seagull. That's the <laughs> biggest surprise, dude. The, the, the musical numbers. 
That's the biggest surprise of this movie, and it, it was so good. Especially the seagull one. I was actually like, I like this song. I genuinely like this song. Jamie like, Dornan I, and the seagulls. Yeah. I'm like, I, I, if you put that on my phone, I would listen to it at work. Without a doubt. I mean, just, uh, the, what was it, Talking Club? It's just dumb as hell, and I love it. Hot Dog Soup. I mean, just so many aspects of this movie are just fucking ridiculous and i loved it mm-hmm. such a good time just a good time it's way it's way weirder than i expected like yeah they get really kind of absurd with it at times and i that's that was kind of a surprise but i do i also really enjoyed this because they they really capture this um Kind of like small town, the white woman being afraid of like anything, like outside of their small town. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I work with a woman like this, where like every city's just like, if if you tell her that you're going to a city, she just assumes that you're going to be mugged. <laughs> and I'm talking like any, it could be Lancaster, <laughs> like they, like, and even like a little tiny city, you're just going to be mugged or murdered. You're gonna see a knife in your face at some point in time. So I did. I did like how you know there was so much concern on their part about them going to Vista Del Mar for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> there has to be a sequel. I I demand a sequel. I want them to go like to Europe or something. I want I want them to go abroad. It, it just has yeah, to happen. They got to go somewhere, and it's got to be even dumber. It's. It has to be dumber. Or if they went on a cruise or something. I don't know. That might be too similar of a location to this one. But, oh, my God. I need more Barb and Star in my life. They're great characters, and they have great great comedic chemistry together, the way they play off each other. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, I could, just them hanging out. Like, you you don't really even need a plot. It's just them planning out their day. It's just like going on a normal vacation. I would enjoy watching that. Yep. All right. Uh, yeah, that's on Hulu, so definitely check it out there. The only other one that I saw was Gunpowder Milkshake. This is uh, on Netflix, directed by Navat Papashado. It's the guy who did Big Bad Wolves. Very interested to see how this worked for you. Uh, it did not work for me. Oh, no. Not even in the slightest bit. No. It is horrible. Really? I was kind of wondering because there wasn't a big marketing push behind this and they dropped it on a Thursday. I think it was like a Wednesday or Thursday. So it it did, it did definitely didn't seem like it was that Netflix was really trying to pump it, yeah. which seemed a little bit like a red flag for me considering the the people who are in this. I mean, you have some really big names in this and I so yeah I was a little I was kind of questioning it going into it and uh yeah what you're left with is a super derivative John Wick style action movie that is just like unoriginal and not very exciting I mean there's some cool action in it there's some cool aspects to it I mean the fact that you have So, like, the whole thing with this, you know, in John Wick, you have that, like, that hotel. The equivalent Mm -hmm. 
in this movie is a library and you have these three librarians played by uh Carla Trugino, Michelle Yeoh and Angela Bassett. And they're like these yeah. badass librarians who all the books have like guns and knives and like gold bars and stuff in them. Mm-hmm. And that's a cool that's cool and we do get to see those three kick some ass, which I liked. Angela Bassett wields dual hammers and just hammers people to death. Michelle Yeoh has this like giant chain and she's like whipping people with it and choking them out and stuff. So there's some cool stuff here, but it's just the dialogue is atrocious. Like the script is not good. It feels very, not not only just John Wick, but like very Tarantino-esque and not in Mm -hmm. a good way. The visuals are very extreme uh everything looks like a very stylized set and everything is neon so there's like this everything is like pink and purple and blue and this this the style didn't necessarily work for me either because that all felt tired and kind of dated yeah it's just not good man I can't recommend it. Yeah. And I'm yeah, really disappointed. Right. Like I like everybody involved in this. Paul Giamatti's in it. He's awesome. Uh just he doesn't really have anything to do in this movie, but yeah, it just sucks. I like Karen Gillan too. I like everybody. Yeah, that's why I was kind of interested in this movie. But uh Yeah, you would not like it. Do not I'm, don't I, watch it. I'm never going to watch it yeah. in my life. All right, let's take a look at what we have coming out in theaters this week. We got Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. Snake oh, Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> excited for this one? I forgot that this was happening. It's it's uh it's definitely happening. It is a thing. It's happening. Snake Eyes. Wow. Who directed this? This is directed by Robert Schwinke. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's the guy who did uh, Red and R.I.P.D. Mm-hmm. in the Divergent time, movies. The time Traveler's Wife. Yeah, Time Traveler's Wife. Classic. <laughs> uh, I no. mean, this is one that I will not see in the theater, but I'll probably... Well, I guess I guess I will. I, if it gets good reviews, maybe I'll... Maybe I'll give it a look in the theater. But it, it's like 99% sure it's not going to get good reviews. <laughs> Just oh my god, it's, dude, dude, it's two hours long, too. Mm. <laughs> two hour long. Well, the funny thing is, you know, Snake Eyes, the character, A, wears a helmet the whole time, and B, doesn't talk. So, and it looks like this guy is this never is wearing before. a helmet and always talking. This is, this is how it comes to that. You yeah. know what I mean? This yeah. is going to show at the what, end. What was it? What was it in his life that made him decide to wear a helmet and never talk again? Yeah. Yeah. At the end of it, it's going to be, yeah, I do like that. Uh, Samara weaving is playing Scarlet. I think that's cool. Not cool enough for two hours of my time. No, 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 certainly not. Also in theaters, we have old. This is the new M night Shyamalan movie. Oh yeah. I'll check this out. Yeah, definitely. I think it looks like it could be cool. I, I'm not. I'm not necessarily an M Night Shyamalan apologist, but I do think that he's had some some good stuff. Like I, I, I thought the visit was pretty good. I I enjoyed the visit, except for the rapping. Mm-hmm. It was an odd choice. And agree. 
completely unnecessary. Uh, but the thing with M Night is, for like for me, his movies always seem interesting. Like mm-hmm. I'm always intrigued. Now, whether they work out or not, there's only one way to find out. Yeah. But I'm always interested. Yep. Uh, those are the big ones in theaters. On VOD this week, we have on the 20th, Room 9. Uh, we have, and then on the, uh, Room 9 is a horror movie from the looks of it. On the 21st, we have Troll Hunters Rise of the Titans. That's on Netflix, animated film. On the 23rd, we have Mandibles. This is the new Quentin Dupio yes. flick. I imagine this is the one that we'll be covering next week. Please. <laughs> well, it's a pretty, pretty wacky movie. We got uh, Mama Weed, uh, which looks like it could be pretty good. Isabel Hubert. Uh, Bankrolled is going to be on Netflix. Looks not, not great. The Last Letter from Your Lover is also going to be on Netflix. Midnight oh. in the Switchgrass. Is also coming out. That's uh, with Megan Fox and Emil Hirsch, Lucas Haas. Jolt is going to be on Amazon Prime. It uh, looks like a uh, action movie with Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. Settlers is going to be out. That's an IFC one. This is a sci-fi thriller. This looks good. I'm interested in this. I'm, I'm going to check this one out. It's with Brooklyn Prince, Sophia Butella, Johnny Lee Miller, and it's about a uh, it's these settlers on Mars, and some some shit goes down. Mm-hmm. So I'll be checking that one out. On Blu-ray this week, we have The Wraith from 1986. This is a collector series. I would uh, absolutely recommend checking this out. I just saw this movie not too long ago for the first time. It's with Charlie Sheen, Nick Cassavetes. Uh, really fun 80s campy movie right. looks like they're re-releasing the old gi joe movies the live action ones oh you got it yeah you got to take advantage of snake eyes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. theater snake eyes I, I i guess they f- they think that everybody forgot that the gi joe movies are garbage <laughs> uh dead and buried is coming out on 4k yeah buddy yeah blue underground that's is good. releasing that that's a good one mm-hmm Eight-Legged Freaks from 2002 is coming out. Oh, yeah. Probably wouldn't recommend that. Spiral from the Book of Saul is coming out. That's the the new one. Little Big League from 1994. That's going to be one of the shout selects. I really like the the movies that they choose for that label. Uh, Let's see what else we have here. A Stranger is Watching from 1982. Siege from 1983. The Go-Go Boys. Uh, The... The Inside Story of Canon Films is coming out. Uh, that's a that's a really good doc about Canon Films. MVD is putting that out. Skinned Deep from 2004. Let's see. There's like five editions of Spiral that are coming out too. There's like a steel book. There's a whatever thing. It's ridiculous. Sniper from 1993 getting a new Blu-ray release. Jacob's Wife from earlier this year. It's coming out. If, if you have Shudder, you could check it out on Shudder, though. I'd probably recommend that. Looks like they're re-releasing all the Saw movies for, like, the eighth time. Mm-hmm. Initiation from earlier this year. Held. 
Um, Boondock Saints looks like it's getting a 20th anniversary edition. Yeah, that's about it. What about Criterions? Oh, we got one. And that's uh, the Piscine from 1969, Jacques Duray. I'm pretty sure this is the movie that was later remade as The Swimming Pool. Ah. Which I did see. I didn't see the original. I didn't see this one. I did see the swimming pool. Uh, but this is a new 4K digital transfer. Oh boy! With all, yeah. Oh, oh. Watch out now. Hmm. <laughs> all right. Cool. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. We'd appreciate that very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.